Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. I think our society in America is one of the few, although Europe's even worse than we are now, 32-hour work week or whatever, the rest of it just whatever, and retire at 50. We weren't made to stop working for God. Say, Pastor Mark, you're getting near 65. You're going to hang that sucker up at 65? No, I'm going to hang that sucker up when God says it's time to hang it up. Till then, I hope to have zeal and passion for the Word of God. Because that's the way He made us. Stir up your gift. Don't be lazy. Because of technology, Americans have had the fortune to be able to choose to work less physically demanding jobs than their ancestors. As a result, there's a lot more leisure time and the ability to retire at much younger ages than ever before. The desire to kick back and relax at 65 or even younger is tempting. But Pastor Mark will be teaching today that this idea is unknown in the kingdom of God you'll hear about keeping your spiritual walk sharp and how to maintain good health in your relationship with God. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in Hebrews chapter 6 as he continues his message, Confident Hope. Sometimes all a person needs to continue strong for God is somebody at the right time when they're getting a little shaky to give them a word of encouragement. And maybe you're here, situations in your life, not really good, kind of without hope. Well, God's here to say to you, keep on trucking. I mean, it's not in the Bible, but keep on trucking. (laughs) He's going to be with you. Let me give you a couple verses that you can just put in the back of your mind when you deal with people. You don't want to be like Job's friends who just gave them no hope. Jeremiah 32, 27. I am the Lord, the God of mankind. Is anything too hard for me? See, that's hope. You can't say, well, there's something too hard for God. No, there's nothing too hard for God. And if you need hope, remember David said, why is my soul cast down? Put your faith and your hope in God. And the other one, I think, is Jeremiah 29. You know that. Sometimes we forget in that great verse is the word hope. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. We all need to be reminded that we do have a personal God who created us, who knows us. None of us are here to do life alone. There's always hope in the life of a Christ follower. 
because God has planned our life to be a life of purpose and peace and joy and hope. So what can keep me from every, even backsliding or even beginning to walk over there is for God to give me and surround me with people who can give me a word of encouragement. Now, sometimes it won't be a person. Sometimes it'll just be the word of God. But you know what I discover? When people are discouraged or depressed, they isolate themselves from the two things that can give them hope. One, they usually stop having their devotions. And this is where all our hope comes from. Number two, they stop coming to church. They isolate themselves. Now, who does that to them? Satan. Satan does it to them. And when you isolate yourself, you move yourself into a place of very great danger. We're meant to be together. And so let me just encourage you, be a person of hope. Be a person that gives words of encouragement. Practice it. Maybe you're a prophet. And you like to give warnings. And hope isn't in your nature. Well, it should be. Just bite your tongue till it bleeds. And give a word of hope. And you'll see how good it is. How refreshing it is. Do not withhold good from those who deserve it. Well, Pastor Mike, I'm a prophet. Nobody deserves good. (laughs) That's right. That's why we're people of grace. Amen? So give it to them anyway. Number two. What else is going to keep me from ever walking back or even thinking about it being apostate? God knows everything all the time. Look at verse 10. The writer says to these individuals, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people. Watch this. And continue to help them. The writer says to this little church, hey, God knows you've been faithful. The warning's valid, but God knows you've been faithful. And you've been fruitful. Notice, God doesn't forget. He sees all. God is unjust. He will not forget your work. God's memory is perfect. He doesn't have to do Sudoku games at all. He doesn't take ginkgo. His memory's perfect. You know one area his memory's not good in, though? Your sins that have been forgiven. He, tell me, he remembers them no more. How many are glad for that? Hallelujah. He remembers them no more. What's our problem? I remember them. Or my wife remembers them for me. Or I remember hers. You see, God doesn't want anyone to walk away from him. And he'll do everything in his power to ensure the security of the believer. He will absolutely do whatever. He'll encourage you to bring people there. He'll remind you that he's God. He knows you've been faithful. And you need to understand that whatever we're facing, doesn't matter what it is, he will make a way for us. Now, notice up in verse 10 that love, the good things that we do, love is active. Notice what it says. We talked about, and you have helped his people. 
and continue to help them. We talked about God taking the two great commandments, putting them together. Let's see if anybody remembers what the two are. You ready? We're to love God and love others. Let's try it again. Love God and love others. Well, in this verse is both. God says, I haven't forgotten your good works. You're loving others, and you're still loving me. Now, remember, love is active. It's not just this emotion. It's active. James 2.26 says this, faith without works is dead. It's not faith and works. It's not faith or works. It's a faith that absolutely is in action, a faith that works. 1 John 3.18, dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and truth. Let me give you four things quickly, don't write them down, of love and action. You may not think so. Number one, this weekend's angel food ministry. Would you call that love and action? Absolutely. All right. Friday night, it's comedy night. If you invite a non-believer and buy their ticket to comedy night, is that love and action? Yes, it is. See, sometimes you go, Pastor Mark, I, I don't know anybody. I can't ever get involved. Well, comedy night. I mean, who can turn down a comedy night? Saturday morning, ladies, you invite somebody to a free seminar. Quality people. Two of the physicians are believers. Something that every woman should understand and know, breast cancer and all the signs and the things that can be done. Very prevalent. Huge number of ladies will have breast cancer in their lives. It's not something that's on the fringe. This is right in the middle of everything. Now, if you invite a lady, believer or non-believer, is that love and action? I got a weaker one than that than I did comedy night. Which is more important? I'll let you decide. Now, let me give you the last one. If you and I go to a neighbor and say, this weekend, I'd like you to come to Vieira, or I'd like you to come to Melbourne to church. I just invite you, your kids, whatever. Is that love and action? Yes. Why don't we do it? So think about it. See, God knows that's how people come to Christ. So think about encouraging a neighbor Somebody at work, stop them and just say, you know, most people come to our churches because some individual invited them. It's a people thing. Next, verse 11. We want each of you to show the same, circle this word, diligence to the very end in order to make your hope sure. Diligence is the third. It's a word we don't like. Now, there's a book, it's an older book. It's an interesting title. It's a great title from Eugene Peterson, who wrote the message. It says this, a long obedience in the same direction. Just from the book, you understand what it's talking about. A long obedience in the same direction. And what it's really after is discipleship in an instant society. You want to be a mature Christ disciple? Yeah. How long does it take? Is there one of those crash courses on the weekend? No. It's long obedience in the same direction. Well, this writer says to these individuals, we want each of you to show this same diligence 
to the very end in order to make your hope sure. Now, let's talk about physical exercise. Obedience in a same direction. Now, we all know that obedience is good for us in many areas. Exercise is one of them. We know we should physically exercise. Most people, I would say the majority of people, know they should exercise, but don't really enjoy exercise. Few of you do. That's kind of rare, really. Most people don't. When I get done exercises, sometimes my wife will say to me, you, know, you enjoy it. No, I didn't. Personally, I'd rather be in bed. <laughs> Wouldn't you? I mean, you get up at 6 o'clock and you go out walking, you get on your exercise bike or whatever. But what I try to do is remember the end result. So if I'm going to be any good with exercise, physical exercise, I have to be consistent five or six days a week. I have to be truthful to myself. Do the reps, do the miles, do the minutes. Doesn't matter if you fool somebody else. Somebody's watching you. They're out of the room. Oh, here they come. What's up with that? Who are you fooling? You're not fooling this at all. <laughs> but we kind of think, well, you know, it's all right. No, keep the end in view. There's benefits to exercise. More energy, eventually, less physical problems, more alert, better quality of life. Why for a Christian? Because I can be useful better. I can have more energy if I exercise. And though, even though it is hard work, I have to ignore the excuses that my body says. It's nice in the bed. <laughs> I don't have to tell you, you hear all the excuses. Well, Paul wrote to Timothy the very same thing. Notice what he said about diligence. Paul said physical training is good. Some of you can't believe that's in the Bible. But training for godliness is much better. Promising benefits in this life and the life to come. So the writer of Hebrews knows that when he warns these people spiritually, it's good for them. Then he says to them, you need diligence. You need devotions. You need a prayer time. You need quality time with God. And one of the things that I've discovered in the lives of most people, see, I don't have this issue because I teach four times a week. One of the things I've discovered with most people, you will not be diligent in your study and your maturity if you are not in a small group. If you're in a small group, someone's going to ask you a question. You're going to be there. You don't want to look like an idiot in the little small group. So you're going to study a little bit for it. If you get out of the small group, for most people, it's like kind of giving up the physical exercise. The physical exercise just goes down. You get out of a routine of physical exercise, it's hard to get back again, isn't it? You get out of your spiritual exercise, taking 15 minutes a day, going to one of the journalings on our website, and just meditating. You do that, you get out of the habit, man, it's hard to get back in. 
So I just encourage you, diligence. Paul would say this, I beat my body and make it my slave so that after I preach to others, I myself won't be qualified for the prize. See, preaching wasn't enough. Paul had to have his own quiet time with the Lord. Notice, look back in that verse again. Each of you are to show them the same diligence. You see, each of us must be diligent. I can't exercise your faith. I can't do your devotions and prayer for you. I can't develop your relationship with God. You have to do that. To the end, not start well, but finish well. Look at verse 12. We do not want you to become lazy. Interesting, the lazy comes right after diligence. But to imitate those who faith and patience inherit what has been promised. So the fourth thing is zeal. If you're not going to walk back in the Lord, if you're not going to grow weary, if you're not going to even think about apostate, you must have this zeal. Romans 12, 11, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. We're talking about passion. Don't allow our feet to drag. Don't allow our spirits to drag. Go for it. And as you think about that passion, for me, what I think is that God knows who those individuals are. You see, spiritual maturity and passion go together. Think about this. God always seemed to choose for leaders busy people. Moses, a shepherd. David, a shepherd. Gideon, taking care of the wheat. Peter, the disciples, what? Fishermen. They were already active. They had zeal. They had passion for life. You need to be there. And I think our society, we're doing better, but I think our society in America is one of the few, although Europe's even worse than we are now, 32-hour work week or whatever, the rest of it just whatever, and retire at 50. We weren't made to stop working for God. You say, Pastor Mark, you're getting near 65. Going to hang that sucker up at 65? No, I'm going to hang that sucker up when God says it's time to hang it up. Till then, I hope to have zeal and passion for the Word of God. Because that's the way He made us. Stir up your gift. Don't be lazy. Number five, godly friends. This is huge. I don't have a lot of time to develop it. But notice verse 12. But to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. 1 Corinthians 15, you know the verse well. We teach it to our teenagers, but then we forget it. Bad company corrupts good morals. Who are you imitating? Who are you around? Do you have good friends? Do you have good Christian friends? Certainly we're to be the friend of sinners. Certainly we're to be around ungodly people in a way that we can be encouragement and light and salt to them. But I need to be around people that are godly. That keeps me godly. It keeps me sharp. It keeps me headed in the right direction. Ecclesiastes is full of this. You need to be around people who are mature in their faith, growing in their faith. Be very careful who your close friends are. Psalms 1.1 says, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners 
or sit in the seat of mockers. Let's be very careful that we don't get our wisdom for life from ungodly people. They cannot guide us because this is the direction of our life. And they don't run their mental answers through the word of God. Doesn't mean I can't use a smart lawyer that's an unbeliever and all those kind of things. But when I come to moral things, when I come to life things, things about my life, it must be based on here. Notice what Psalm says, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of the scornful. So get advice. Don't do life alone. Be around people that are godly. You were not meant to do life alone. I think the Jewish Talmud says it beautifully. A man without companions is like the left hand without the right. Do you have good, godly friends? If not, it starts with a small group. Pastor Mark, this church is unfriendly. You're wrong. This church is very friendly, aren't we? Say yes. So the Bible says, if you want to have friends, you have to be friendly. You have to invite somebody over first. Well, I don't know them. They don't know you either. That's a great thing. Well, I may not like them. Then don't invite them again. That's all right. You'll find somebody else. I encourage you to do that. As you come to these things, the comedy night, Friday night, we'll laugh like crazy. Find somebody to laugh at. Bring somebody, as I said, to the cancer awareness thing. Just be involved around with people. Turn to John 14 and we're through it. As I said, we don't want to focus on being an apostate. The writer doesn't. He ends with hope. And you have to remember that we need to have hope. Our hope is not based on Calvary Chapel. Our hope is based on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. John 14, verse 1. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you, and I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back to take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. My hope is not this world. There's thousands of people in California who have discovered what life is all about. If they are living and they got away from all the stuff that we all have, they discovered a biblical principle. They don't know it yet. Life does not consist in the abundance of stuff. It's people. They know that. My hopes in God is yours. In his teaching today, Pastor Mark talked about the reality that every Christ follower gets down sometimes and needs someone to pick them up. Knowing that God's there is comforting, but there are times when an encouraging word from a brother or sister in Christ just does the trick. You are also given a push to deepen your walk with Christ so that you can be an encourager. Lessons for Living is the teaching ministry of Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. We have multiple campuses to reach those living in Melbourne, Sebastian, and Vieira. 
All campuses meet each weekend and on Wednesdays to spend time collectively raising our voices in worship to our Most High God and studying the truth and blessings found in His Word. For more information, directions, and service times, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on the church link at the bottom of the page. This finishes Pastor Mark's teaching, Confident Hope. Next time, he'll begin tackling doubt in his teaching, God Will Come Through. He'll be using the life of Abraham as an example of God's making promises and the struggles and faithfulness of that man as years go on before the promise is fulfilled. You'll learn how God can help you as you wait on Him to answer your prayers. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living and together, let's do life right. in a hurry.